Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Okay, it's five o'clock. Uh, we're halfway through the Morocco-Iran game. It's a tasty affair. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Morocco looking bright. Uh, earlier on today, Uruguay, a nice 1-0 defeat against Egypt with no Mo Salah and a goal from Jimenez. Uh, I missed that game, Alex, but uh, you watched it. What did you make of it? What are you thinking of Uruguay early on? We expected uh, a win and we expected it to be uh, closely tied. Uh, yeah, I, I I was a bit disappointed with Uruguay. I think they they didn't hold on to the ball particularly well. Um, Suarez missed probably the one good chance that he had, but the uh, the they found a goalkeeper in good forms, a couple of good saves off Cavani. So, I mean, it it probably it wouldn't have been a surprise if it had been a little more comfortable for them. But there there seemed to be. Um, Diego Godin was was carrying the ball up the pitch quite a lot um, and I think that was probably symptomatic of his frustration that there wasn't a lot of creativity coming from further ahead. Uh, Bentancur was playing in central midfield rather than out on the right which is where he's played in quite a few friendlies uh, and he was dropping very deep to collect the ball but then there didn't seem to be a huge amount of movement either side uh, Kakeris, who's playing left back, is a naturally right-footed player, which I think prevents him getting forwards on the overlap. Um, ordinarily, the the Uruguayan wide midfielders kind of pull in to allow uh, the the fullbacks to get forwards on the overlap, and that, that. So, is there no natural left-footed player to play back there then, or is it just? Uh, it's I, I don't know whether they've gone for greater solidity. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's difficult to say. Why you know when when people make selections in tournament football, there's probably lots of different reasons. You know, it might be a, a niggle to a player that they'd wanted to play there. A fitness or issue. Fitness issue. A greater threat from set pieces, which mm. obviously is you know a Uruguayan strong point. So they looked solid. They 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 didn't really look like they were threatened greatly. Um, but, but the point I suppose is that it's one nil win. And also, you would assume thinking about the way that Group A is going to work out now, Russia will have been watching that and will be very pleased with that result. Yes, uh, I think that's the case. A, a, a draw would have been the least pleasant result, I think, for Russia. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, obviously Egypt have kind of kept their powder dry in, in so far as Salah stayed on the bench. Uh, I think that's very much because Egypt will have seen the Uruguayan game as probably the one to write off in terms of expecting to lose that and wanting to keep Salah yeah. guaranteed fit for the other two games which is where I, I, I feel and they almost certainly will feel uh, that they're most likely to win they're coming for you Alex they're, <laughs> they're coming for you for talking about tactics in such a dry boring way <laughs> it's the tactics police uh, so yeah I will just remind people uh, the sound quality isn't as uh, good as, as, as it would normally be we're in our temporary space upstairs at the Old Red Lion Theatre. Do come on down. Uh, but what that also means is that we are on St John Street at 5 o'clock, central London. It's rush hour and people love committing crime. So uh, those <laughs> sirens, you'll probably hear them again. Uh, but uh, do forgive us for that. 
Uh, we're halfway through the Morocco-Iran game. It's actually just kicked off again now. One of the little bright sparks that we've seen and uh, thinking about maybe profiling an upcoming video is Hakem Zayesh mm. or Ziyech. I'm not. I've, I was saying Zayek before, but I've heard the commentators say Ziyech a couple of times now. I think that might be the way. But uh, he looks a bright spark, doesn't he? Yeah, him and I mean Harit are playing in the two wide positions for Morocco. Mm. Um, Harit, we mentioned in our uh, our Group B preview video as as being somebody who could impress if he was given the opportunity. I think. Uh, what's interesting here is that they've they've gone with Amrabat uh, as right fullback. Um, he's Amrabat's the sort of player who can play anywhere up the the right hand side. Okay, uh, and it, certainly in qualification was playing often in a more advanced position. Uh, in this game, Renard has has gone for um, two fullbacks who are pushing really, really high. Yeah. Um, and Harrit and uh, Zaish are cutting inside quite a lot. Morocco would be ahead in this game, um, except for a couple of very good saves from the Iranian goalkeeper. Right, okay. And the fact that their striker, um, El Kabi, is... He just looks kind of a level below the, the players that are playing uh, just off him. Mm. So... Um, as we were talking, there's there, a lot of creativity, but not not much, not enough end product as yet. As exactly. Yet. Yes. Uh, as we were talking, there, uh, the Iranian player Jahan Bash just uh, stood on the feet of Zayesh. Perhaps that's a <laughs> perhaps that's a little uh, sign of frustration, a, or just a mistimed tackle. Probably a sensible way to try and stop him. Um, yeah, I, I predicted a nil nil. Okay. Uh, ahead of this game. Um, so you're so feeling I'm, a little bit zesty now, aren't you? Uh, I'm still feeling, nil nil. Feeling quite confident at this uh, point. Sadar Azmoun, Iran's a star striker. We haven't seen much from him yet, have we? Um, not a great deal, but it's it's been difficult to. Oh, it's early doors. Well, uh, Iran are playing very compact, um, mm. and I think they they probably see uh, their best opportunity in this game as, as keeping it tight and then looking to to counter and. You know, Carlos Kiarish is is a very good coach uh, defensively. Iran's defensive record during qualification was excellent. Mm. Um, He's been there for a long time now as well, isn't he, Kiarish? Seven years or something. Yeah, he. Um, I think he had his contract extended just before the World Cup, or or, right. or sort of during the qualification period. Um, mm. He's, uh, you know, he he, he gets his side. Um, set up in such a way as to absorb pressure, yeah, uh, and they're very disciplined at that. And, and we've kind of seen like waves of Moroccan attacks kind of crashing against their back line at this moment. Yeah, and well, uh, well, I suppose what would make sense is to come back, uh, pop back at the end of the, the game and chat a little bit more about that. Uh, I do want to mention at this point as well that we had a video that went out today on the TIFO Football YouTube channel. Written by James Montague, produced by Henry Cook, and it was about the uh, oh, a short history of uh, Iran's uh, road to this World Cup, um, and a little bit of history about the country as well. Fascinating watch. Do go and enjoy that. Nine minutes of thrilling fun. Uh, I personally enjoyed watching that one. Uh, but what I wanted to talk to you about now, while we've got a chance, is look ahead to tomorrow's games, uh, because France are playing, aren't they? Uh, Philippe's favourite France. Oh, I should say hi to Philippe, by the way. Hi, Phil. Hello. How's it going over there? Yeah, good. Working good. hard? Yeah, as ever. What are you working on? Uh, we're working on tomorrow's player profile. Right. Um, I'll say who it is, or...? Yeah, David Silver. Well, David. it is at the minute, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> there might, unless there's some sort of massive standout performance elsewhere, or he doesn't start. Please, please start. <laughs> if he doesn't, we'll have to write something else, probably. But uh, at, this, at this moment, it's David Silva. And France playing tomorrow. Phil, are you excited about that? 
Uh, yes and no. Um, I'm excited that the, the, the news was that um, Mbappe and Griezmann and Dembele are likely to start up front okay. in the front three um, and with, without Giroud. Right. Um, but at the same time, I'm also really very wary how how easy France find it to mess things yeah. up. Yeah. And remind me who they're playing? They're playing Australia. They're playing Australia. So, you know, they really should win, but mm. it's... <laughs> um, I've been supporting France long enough to know that that's not necessarily a done deal yet. Okay. Well, Alex, uh, are you expecting Australia to uh, win 5-0 then? <laughs> no. No. No, no I'm, I'm expecting... How are you feeling about the game? Um, uh, what are you going to be yeah. looking out for? Let's put it that way. Is there a particular player, a particular style with France, let's say, that you're going to be looking out for in tomorrow's game? Or what should people watch for? Um, so, to me, the interesting point with France is um, the how the midfield balance is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, Kante, obviously, is going to start um, in that uh, sort of central holding role. Um, it's likely, I believe, based on on how the team's been sort of practicing, that uh, Pogba and Corentin Tolisso uh, will play okay. uh, either side of him. If um, listeners aren't familiar with Tolisso, he's uh, been at Bayern Munich this season. Um, he's very uh, capable player. He's quick, uh, creative. Will get into the half spaces, linking well with the fullbacks, um, and I would expect him to be the midfielder that sort of pushes up um, while Pogba kind of pulls the strings a little bit from from slightly deeper. Mm-hmm. Of course they, they, they both have the option to, to go forward, particularly when you're playing with Kante as the anchor because he can cover so much ground and, and absorb so much pressure. Mm. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be looking to see whether France have got that balance right um, and I think it's going to be worth looking at the fullbacks as well mm. um, to see how they do, particularly Pavard, who's likely to start. Um, Pap, do we pronounce the D, Phil? Um, no, there's no E at the end to be Pavard. Pavard. Okay, pa- pa- okay. Pavard. For, just yeah. to be for listeners, Philippe is a, is a French heritage, so he's our go-to French for asking. Citizen. He's a French citizen. Are you really? Yeah. Look at you avoiding Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky you. Yeah. Everyone's down the Irish embassy, aren't they? Yeah. You're there at the French. Okay, well, there's other games tomorrow. We'll, we'll talk about France a little more, as I imagine that they'll be going a little bit further in the tournament. So we'll get the opportunity to talk about them a little bit more. There's four games tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be brilliant. It's a busy day. Argentina-Iceland is the, is the second of four, which is another... That'll be fascinating. They're all good. Peru, Denmark, Croatia, Nigeria, they're all good games. Argentina-Iceland. Argentina, um, there, there's been lots of uh, requests on... Um, uh, YouTube comments on previous videos that we've made for us to document Argentina. It's something that we do want to do, but we've been slightly hesitant uh, before the tournament because it's been, well, as Alex informs me, very difficult to work out exactly what it is that they're doing. They're quite unpredictable. They're playing lots of different teams, lots of different setups, and uh, heaven forbid that we get something wrong because 100,000 people tell us when we do. Uh, so what do you make of them hesitantly at this point in time, Alex? And how many games do we need to watch before we can make a video? <laughs> yeah, good, good question. Mm. Um, I look, I I watched in order to to prepare the Group D preview. Um, I watched four separate Argentina games in which they played four separate formations. Great, with an array of personnel, okay. um, uh, including you know things like Lo Celso at left wing back. So, do you think Messi will start? <laughs> I think that's probably the one thing <laughs> All right. you can be confident of. Okay, good. Um, Just trying to find my footing. They are... Yeah, look, Sampaoli... Uh, that's probably not how you pronounce his name, but... Um, that's well, ITV will tell us tomorrow. Um, 
he's uh, yeah he's 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 the sort of coach who is is not afraid to mix things up. Um, I think there is a point, particularly in tournament football, at which that becomes a problem um, mm. because players need to know what they're doing, and, and the teams that that you can see or that I can can see doing well in this tournament are ones who've got a pretty comprehensive understanding of systems. Um, Mm -hmm. If you look at South America, particularly uh, Brazil, Uruguay and Peru have not really changed how they play a great deal. Mm. Colombia haven't particularly either. And this is the sort of game where, uh, genuinely I say this, not as a kind of an actual prediction... But if if Iceland were to hold Argentina to a nil nil or possibly even scrape a one nil, mm. that would that would be a shock, but it wouldn't be a surprise to me mm-hmm. because okay. I think yes, okay, Argentina have got the world's best player in in Messi, but behind that there's a certain amount of confusion over the system. They're not strong defensively. Uh, you know, they have Otamendi, who is is a very very good defender, but arguably. Alongside him, there's there aren't any really world class defenders. There have been uh, issues in goal where Sergio Romero was the goalkeeper through most of qualifying. He's injured. Mm. Um, I think that the trying to predict what sort of formation they'll probably go for a four two three one, but that you know, there's no guarantee of that. They'll play so eleven men. They will play eleven men. We'll know yes, that. they'll yeah. play eleven men, mm-hmm. and one of them will be Messi. Okay. Well, with, let's stay on Group D then, because the the final game tomorrow, eight o'clock, is Croatia Nigeria. Nigeria to win. Really? Okay. Yeah. That's that's quite an exciting game. Um, of course, Nigeria drew Argentina four years ago in the in the, in the group stages. I think they? Nigeria and Argentina basically play each other every World Cup. They're both in. Mm, they have a history. I think it's five out of six or something ridiculous. Okay. So what 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 are you basing your support of Nigeria on in the Croatia game then? Um, two things. Because Croatia have a, a, a tasty team. Yeah, Croatia have got a very good team, but Croatia have got a sort of um, uh, a a more talented um, Gerard Lampard dilemma. Mm-hmm. In how do you accommodate Rakitic and Modric in the same team? Are you saying that Rakitic and Modric are more talented than Gerard and Lampard? Yes. Goodness me. Okay. Um, there we go. And that's I, a big call, isn't it? Not really. Is it not? No. Should we talk about it? No. Steven Gerrard? No, he's good, isn't he? Wasn't he good? All-rounder? I mean, like Frank Lampard? Lampard. Top, top Lampard's, Premier League, uh, Lampard's better than Gerrard. I mean, they're all very different players. They're different players. I wouldn't players, compare Modric with, with either of them. The point I'm making is... is They're more talented. Less about... Yeah. Okay. I, I think they're... they're, they're I think they are more talented as players, but I think the point more is mm. there are two outstanding midfielders for Croatia... But they don't naturally complement one another. Okay. In a way that if you're playing them as a double pivot, yeah, they don't really work that well together. So it's thematically similar, reminiscent of. Correct. Sure. Um, Croatia don't have a natural holding player. Mm-hmm. Um, Kovacevic sort of did it a few times for Real Madrid. It didn't really work out. Brozovic can do it. But at Inter Milan, he's much more of a box-to-box player. Mm-hmm. So again, a sort of similarity with um, some of the aspects that, that Modric and Rakitic bring. So they want themselves a Sebastian Rudy. They want a Sebastian Rudy. I think I might mention Ev- everyone him every, wants a Sebastian Rudy. I might mention him in every <laughs> podcast. I think. So, so the issue that that they'll have against Nigeria is that 
Nigeria have a a very very solid uh-huh. double pivot. Okay, and they will lock the midfield down. They'll mm-hmm. probably prevent uh, the the creative um, Croatian midfielders from getting a huge amount of the ball, and then they'll transition very directly to this exciting attacking unit mm-hmm. particularly Iwobi and Moses mm-hmm. um, with John Obi Mikel getting forwards to support lots of pace except from John Obi Mikel sure, but yeah otherwise sure. lots of pace I'm um, just going to hold you up for one second there because I feel like it would be useful for us to describe what a double pivot is compared to a pivot presumably a pivot is two players in midfield a double pivot is three with two pivots happening That's no no it's uh, a double pivot is two a double pivot so what's a pivot um, it's not really used oh okay <laughs> <laughs> well I'm learning okay I, I think it's because it, it it's referred to as a double pivot because they both move up and down generally speaking yeah they, okay they, they, there's, a, there's, there's a two ways of pivoting yes right um See that would just in my head that would just be one pivot because you can I suppose one pivot could have one player that doesn't move with the other pivot going all the way around it. Let's okay, let's not get stuck on the pivot. But uh okay, we've got we've got Nigeria to to win there as a prediction. That's a prediction, Alex. Um, You've made a prediction, we don't normally do that. I mean I don't really like making predictions. Well it's too late now. Let's go back to group C. Uh, the second game is Peru, Denmark. Are we expecting France to walk the group? Not walk the group necessarily, but they're going to. Uh, they're certainly favourites, aren't they? Talk to me about Peru, Denmark, because that's an interesting fixture. Yeah, so um, Peru are, I think, a really, really strong side. Mm. Um, I, I personally, I have Peru coming second to France in that group. Okay. Um, I think, uh, particularly with Guerrero, 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 however you say it, mm-hmm. coming back. Um, from his spiked tea incident, sure, um, he will. Uh, that you know, they're, they're a camp that will be buoyed by that. Mm. Uh, there's forty thousand Peruvians in Russia, apparently, Great. so they'll have a huge amount of support. Yeah, um, with Renato Tapia playing, he's great as a kind of anchor at the base of midfield, mm-hmm. and he'll he'll be tasked effectively with stopping Christian Eriksen. Uh, if you stop Christian Eriksen, you stop Denmark by and large. Okay. Um, if you see how Eriksen ran that game against the Republic of Ireland to ensure that Denmark qualified in the in the playoff, mm. um, you know if, that was if, a hat trick game, wasn't it? Right, and, yeah. and you know he's he's an exceptional player, but there's, Denmark don't really have a great deal otherwise. Mm. Um, Peru are very organised. They they have a, a system that they've been playing for a long time now. They've got some good players, so I th- I think they'll they'll win that one. Okay, well it's still nil nil on the Morocco uh, Iran game. We'll come back at the end and chat about it a little bit more. Uh, we'll look forward to Spain Portugal as well, and we will uh, come back at the end of that game and have a little chat about that too. So uh, we'll see you in a bit. Okay, so that's the end of the Iran-Morocco game. An own goal there, 1-0 at the end. Buhadus, the uh, Moroccan defender, tapping it into his own net. Would you describe that as against the run of play, Alex? Mm. Yeah, very much so. Um, that was a good lorry going past that was there, a, isn't it? That was a big lorry. That was great timing. <laughs> that, lorry was, that lorry did not think it was against the run of play. 
Um, no, uh, it was. I, I think Morocco would be really, really disappointed by that. It, they, they had the issue that we talked about during half time, where um, Ziyech, Belhander, and Harrit were creating quite a lot, but um, their front man El Kabi wasn't really doing very much with it. Mm. Um, and I think they were disturbed slightly by the concussion suffered by Amrabat, who was getting forward an awful lot from right back. Um, after he got slapped around the face a few times, it sure. was decided sure. he shouldn't continue. So there's a concussion protocol to follow. I mean, he was basically falling over on the side. Like of the pitch. it was ridiculous. It yeah. was, I was surprised there was even a chance he was going to come back on. Yeah, he couldn't no. stand up. If if that had been a, a rugby match, he would have been yeah. ordered straight off by the referee for a, a protocol. Uh, and then clearly not coming back on. There was a, there was a few injuries, wasn't there? There was this, I missed the incident, but there was a stretcher towards the end as well. Yeah, and, and there were six minutes of extra time. Mm. And I was furious because, um, as you remember from half time, I was predicting a nil nil at the beginning, and mm. and of course so close to to getting that. <laughs> um, How disappointing for you. I know, right? I'm, mm. I'm, I'm very aggrieved. Um, well, looking at Group B, though, I mean, the other two teams, Portugal and Spain, they're about to kick off in a moment. Mm. Uh, presumably, one would think that the Moroccan players will be going back into the dressing room now thinking, right, well, we're definitely not going through. I mean, losing to Iran, they had to win that game if they had any hope of, of progressing. Is, is that fair to say? Yes, I think that probably is fair to say. I mean, look, we're, there's clearly uh, two teams in this group who are extremely good but also have a number of problems off the pitch Um, is that going to be enough to disrupt either of them to the extent that Morocco could pull off an upset I'd say no it's probably more likely to be an issue further down the line Um, there's a number of sporting CP players starting uh, for Portugal Um, so you know it'd be interesting to see if that does have an effect on them I don't think Portugal will win this game Anyway, irrespective of those problems, because I think Spain are too strong for them. Mm-hmm. But um, Morocco must be looking at that as kind of the end of the tournament for them now. Yeah. Well, we're about to watch the uh, the Portugal-Spain game. It's going to be an, an interesting one. Very briefly, because I suppose people will be listening to this after the game's already finished, what will you be watching for as we as we watch the game? Yeah, I suppose... Um, Koke coming in in, in midfield uh, instead of Thiago is, is an interesting move. Um, I'd like to see how much Busquets is dropping back um, and what degree you know him and Koke will be forming a kind of double pivot. Is, is Iniesta going to drop a long way back from that left-hand side and effectively form a three-man midfield, as the BBC seemed to be intimating in the way they uh, showed the lineup, Or will it be more of a 4-2-3-1, which is probably, I think, what they're, they're likely to do. Mm. Um, we're going to be focusing on, on David Silva probably for tomorrow's video, uh, so obviously eyes on him, but I think Isco um, could be Spain's key man, really, in mm-hmm. this tournament. Uh, he's had a superb season with Real Madrid. Um, <clears throat> he's a very exciting player. He he moves a huge amount uh in the you know horizontally and vertically on on the pitch, so the degree to which the other Spanish players will need to accommodate that degree of movement when when he plays for Real, um, there's less natural width uh, further up the pitch for Real because the fullbacks supply that. Uh, Spain, that's less the case because they will have Silva and Iniesta operating in those half spaces. So, you know, will Esco move horizontally less? 
um, will those players drop off to allow him to play the same way that he plays for Real Madrid? That that's kind of the the question for me mm. as far as Spain is concerned. For Portugal, um, I think they they they've lined up pretty much as we expected. Um, the use of of Fernandez and Guedes gives them players that will get forward a lot. Guedes will will kind of split off to one side. Ronaldo will probably do the same. So I'd expect. Bernardo Silva and Bruno Fernandes to be pushing up and inwards, uh, kind of in the way that we described um, Sweden doing, mm-hmm. um, sort of an RB Leipzig, you know, a four-four-two that becomes a four-two-two-two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm guessing that's what they'll do. Okay. Um, or they may lopside it a little bit and have uh, Guedes and Silva higher up, um, flanking Ronaldo. Uh, and then Fernandez tucked in slightly. So, I think, well, you uh, think you think Spain, uh, Philippe? Can I get a uh, prediction from you from the yeah, corner? I, think, I would say Spain as well. I, I, I think it's difficult to kind of gauge any kind of going on off the pitch with that a, a team of that quality. Yeah. That, that will affect them in such a way that be bad. I think. What did you make of the Lopetegui situation? Um, I think he's been pretty dumb doing it to be mm. honest with you yeah. um, especially when it's kind of come to light how low he was on the list of kind of candidates as well <laughs> it's After, a weird thing to be arrogant about yeah case. I mean there, there were there were, there were a selection of really charismatic uh, uh, managers who are known for being charismatic about five above him I think he's mm. a, a bit more of a kind of an establishment figure so right. you're kind of looking at I think almost like a like a Benitez right um, situation at, at, at a possible stopgap yeah, absolutely, and someone and uh, someone who could be find it quite difficult to sort of impose any kind of authority when you've got a certain amount of prima donnas mm. in that squad. Well, so this isn't going to do him any favours going into the start of the season because it's quite embarrassing for him. Then, yeah. as you said, going in to try and manage players, many of whom are part of that Spain squad. Yeah, that might be a bit. I mean, his authority has kind of been undercut, you know, from the off. With you, so that, that'll be interesting to. Yeah. Be interesting to watch. Maybe we can talk about that at the beginning of the season. Okay. Well, we're going to uh, turn off now and watch the uh, watch the Spain Portugal game. We'll come back afterwards and chat a little bit about it after it's happened. Right. Okay. Well, that's the end of that game. 3-3. Three, three. Uh, it was a stunning affair. Alex, you were proved wrong once again. It's not been a good start for you. Uh, I have to say, it was very exciting, though. A Ronaldo hat-trick. I am fond of Ronaldo. I think he's a legend. That's what I think. And I like to see uh, players do so well in the World Cup. And uh, to top it all off, an absolutely de- delightful Nacho goal, which we assume must be uh, a contender for goal of the tournament. Probably the best so far, I'd have to say. Um... But the thing we were mainly focusing on, we mentioned this briefly beforehand, was David Silva, because we're making a video now, Philippe's over there in the corner working very hard on it in the sweaty hot heat, um, for, for, for release tomorrow morning. David Silva, we talk a little bit about how he plays with Manchester City and the differences for how he plays with the Spain squad. We knew it would be a little bit tricky based on how Spain play, but it was quite tough, wasn't it? Particularly in the first half, of trying to work out, Alex, what the system was basically because that front four is incredibly fluid, uh, more so than the, certainly City is, um, uh, Silver is for, for Manchester City. And Isco and Silver, particularly Iniesta, Koke, and even Diego Costa, 
all over the place in presumably a thought-out way. So do you want to have a little attempt now to explain uh, what was going on there and why it took us um, a while to get to grips with it? Yeah, it's it's one of those interesting things when you start watching it in the first instance that you know you, you're given a a team um, kind of you know line up and it's it's a four three three and you think okay well this guy's out here and that guy's out there and then you start watching it mm. the amount of positional fluidity that Spain bring is astonishing essentially. Sergio Busquets is kind of the only person who stays roughly where you'd expect him to be, mm-hmm. along with the two centre-backs, although as you noted during the course of the game, they push very high up to mm. compress the space as well. Oh, um, I just want to point out as well, from Pepe and Sergio Ramos, some incredible long vertical cross-pitch passes yeah. from both of those centre-backs. Absolutely. Uh, I, I thought you know Ramos's passing was was very very good um, look that Spain Spain are playing in some ways probably the closest approximation to a sort of Dutch total football of the mm. 1970s 4-3-3 a 4-1 in, chaos in that well organised chaos mm-hmm. but yeah chaotic in the sense only that it's very very difficult to to know if you're a marker where those players are going to move to and mm. I, I, I tweeted earlier that for the Nacho goal, which you're right, was just yeah. an extraordinarily beautiful shot. Mm. You um, described it as a, as a... What did you describe it as? A top five-a-side goal. Well, it's like a five-a-side because of the, the way he hits it to keep it low when it's on the rise mm. is what you have to do when you're leathering it in five-a-side to make sure it doesn't go up. Normally I'm in goal at five-a-side because well, I yeah, can't run around. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, in that, in that goal, David Silva starts... On the right-hand side of the midfield three, yeah. in a kind of, you know, sort of advanced eight position, he then moves forwards to sort of the corner of the penalty area on the right-hand side. Then he jogs across the box, and he cropped up a lot in what was almost a centre-forward position. Mm. He's then in the left half space where he stops, moves kind of uh, vertically up and down a little bit before the ball comes to him. Then he plays the ball back across. Mm. That's that's Spain's right winger. Mm. At, at no point during that goal is he in the right wing position. No. So how you are supposed to, and and we we did a piece for Football Index on tactical trends to look out for in the World Cup, um, and one of the things we wrote was that only the best teams will press in this World Cup mm. because it's quite difficult to coach a pressing system for an international side because yeah. you simply don't have the players for long enough. Um, and so some of the weaker teams will, will tend to kind of more of a man-oriented or a, a man-space-oriented kind of marking system. You can't do that against Spain. No. If you did that against Spain, you would have no structure to your own side whatsoever. Mm. So there's a constant handing of players from marker to marker, uh, and that is just bewildering. And exhausting, presumably. And exhausting, mm. and... And what Spain are seeking always to do with this constant movement is to create these little passing triangles uh, where at least one of those players is between the defensive lines. Mm. Um, and what you what you see with, with good sides who do that, and, and Man City do it, Brazil do it, and we've got the Brazil video coming out on Sunday which makes this point, 
those movements tend to be between groups of attacking players, maybe with one midfielder. Mm. The difference with Spain and the thing that really elevates Spain is they're doing it with all of the midfielders mm. and all of the attackers. That those those triangle they might be Isco, Iniesta and Jordi Alba. They might be Isco, Iniesta and Diego Costa. They might be Diego Costa, David Silva because he's over on the left and Sergio Busquets. Like it's it's just constantly mobile, constantly finding space, moving off and it, it's extraordinary to watch. Mm. And bloody hard to explain. <laughs> <laughs> what I liked about it was um you might you might watch uh, that positional fluidity and think it's it's sort of a lack of discipline. Uh, but actually, when Spain were defending, suddenly they dropped into a four-five-one and were very rigid with it. You know, so they yes. they all know exactly where they're supposed to be at the same time as knowing that when they have the ball, they can pr- pretty much be wherever they want. Yeah, and and this is the thing with with the 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 sides that are comprised of consistently top class yeah. players that have experience at big clubs. Yeah, um, some of the other teams that we've seen today. They might have one or two standout players mm-hmm. who are playing for for top European sides um, or, or top sides on their respective continents. I mean, you know, a River Plate or a Boca Juniors or a Penarol, they're very, very good teams. I mean, mm-hmm. we've not seen Argentina, but you get my point. I'm not just saying that, you know, Europe's the best. Um, but Spain, they're all playing for those those big clubs, you know, mm-hmm. they're all at a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or a Manchester well, it City. It feels, I mean, with Ronaldo there as well, it feels a little bit like watching an El Clasico at times, doesn't it? Uh, yes, a little bit. Although, um, as Rory Smith amusingly tweeted, uh, that Portugal responded to going three-two down by bringing on a second West Ham player, sure, which is sure. an unusual move. You could but do worse. Y- uh, well, I mean, we're, we're talking about this like Spain won. Of course, they didn't. No, um, an inspired uh, hat trick. Cristiano Ronaldo, Portugal team. I mean, I think what I liked about this game, uh, probably of all the games so far, is that it it had everything, not as a cliche, but literally in the sense that not only did you have the ability to watch Spain with their wonderful uh, fluidity, obviously they're rigorously trained in that tactic and it's amazing to watch, but also on the sort of... uh, for want of a better term, the human interest side of things, mm-hmm. the sort of uh, the, the the emotional football side of things, Ronaldo getting three goals against a vastly superior team. I think it's it's fair to say oh, not, not necessarily yeah, this Portugal, tournament, but you know Portugal are carried by Ronaldo. There's mm-hmm. no question. I mean, I think Guedes did okay. Mm. Um, I think William Carvalho did probably better than I would have expected him to yeah, do. Yeah, Mario played well when he came on as well. When he when he came on, he's he's not a bad player. And um, uh, Ronaldo's hat-trick of penalty, free kick and open play goal, mm. that's the first time that's ever been done in a World Cup. Really? Yes. And um, also the and it amazing And his stat, 51st yeah. and the 51st in the World Cup. I mean, 51 hat-tricks. Like, yeah. That's ridiculous. That's, that's to have it. done that in his career, and to be that force would be the same number as the entire history of the World Cup yeah. is quite stunning. And the synergy of of him getting both of those together is just sure, sure. quite quite ridiculous. So but looking at the group now, I mean, Iran, uh, Iran are top. They yeah. finished top. Um, <laughs> you would have thought they it, absolutely you know, plundered that win against Morocco. Mm. I'm, so, I'm still angry about that. Well, I imagine that, um, and perhaps this is an unfair way of looking at it, but I imagine that Portugal are 
probably happier with the, this result than uh, than the Spain are. Both teams will still be fairly confident that they can go through. I mean, it, it's not a formality by any means, but uh, both teams have Morocco and Iran to play, and you would imagine that both teams can get victories in both of those games. So it might be a case of a goal difference now for Portugal and Spain, who yeah, goes I mean, through first. Uh, Spain should have won this game. Um, or Iran might be everyone. Uh, no. Um, I mean, OK, I've got two of my three predictions wrong today. Yeah, so what do you know? What do I know? But but look, David De Gea made an extraordinarily uncharacteristic error. Mm. And even without that... Um, Portugal offered very, very little apart from Ronaldo. Mm. Um, so Spain... I mean, he won the free kick as well as taking it, didn't he? Right. Even, and and you know. so Sp- Spain were the better side playing the better football. Mm. I- if you watched Iran-Morocco, yeah, OK, Iran defended very resolutely today and, and they'll they'll view that as vindication of their three points, you mm. know, even if they scraped a goal right at the end with an own goal. But... Mm. Even with that defensive organisation and that drilling uh, of of the way that they kind of sit back and, and compact the space between their midfield and their defensive line, that is not going to be enough to stop Spain. No. There's no way that will be. No. Um, Morocco, you would expect to have maybe more of a threat going forward. Mm. I think Morocco-Portugal is is the game that I would look at as potentially something that could spring a surprise. Okay, yeah. a slight stumbling block perhaps. Perhaps for Portugal. It, it's mm. still very difficult to see teams other than those two going through from this group. Mm. Um, Spain, because collectively they are so good. I mm-hmm. mean, that in, in, in everything that happened with, the, with Ronaldo's performance and that Nacho goal, mm. it's very easy to forget how good Diego Costa's first I goal was. I was just going to say that, yeah. Um, and... You know, a, a, a real striker's goal. Uh, you know the way doing he it all on his own. Held those players off and created that fraction of space for himself to strike. It, that's reminiscent of the sort of the uh, the early days of the four-two-three-one with those preferential strikers who can do everything on their own at the front. It sort of reminds me of Benzema a little bit as well. So a player who can, yeah. you know, twist and turn and that the power that he got on that shot from a standing position. Yeah, it's uh, thick you know, legs. Lewandowski is is another sure. player who can do that sort sure. of thing, but there really aren't many no. strikers that that can do that. So yeah, it's it's difficult to see further upsets kind of happening in in mm. this regard. Um mm. but I don't know. It's I think we can just we can just be pleased that we watched a really good game of football. Well, it's nice. I mean, there was five goals in the first game, six goals in this game. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow we've got four fantastic games to look forward to. Yeah, tomorrow's uh, going to be great. I hope everyone's enjoying themselves immensely. Philippe, how are you doing over there? Yeah, doing grand. Yeah. I'm just going to say, even, uh, I think even the 2-1-0 one the, the one, one results were also yeah. quite engaging as well, particularly the Uruguay, yeah. Egypt. It was, um, so yeah, I think they've... At least like three very good games. So far. And this was the first draw, and it was amazing. Yeah, exactly, so this yeah. says quite a lot for the World Cup, doesn't it? Yeah, very much so. How's the how's the video coming along? Yeah, good. Uh, we're soldiering on here, and I think we're, we're kind of getting towards a close. We're Great. Looking forward to putting that out tomorrow. Lovely. Um, yeah. Six a.m. Yeah. Not that it means anything to anyone. Everyone, <laughs> everyone lives in different time zones and uh, could be listening to this at any any point. Six a.m. BST. Six a.m. BST on the sixteenth uh, of the sixth, twenty eighteen. And that'll round us off here. That sounded like we were sort of uh, doing that at the end of a BBC broadcast or something, didn't it? Reading out the time. The time is sponsored by Activist, was it? Accurist. Accurist. 
but that wasn't what did BBC, they do? was it? No, that was just a, a thing you phoned. Oh, that was the talking clock, wasn't it? That was it? the talking clock that you called. Who were Accurist? They watchmakers, I assume. Yeah, that that would make sense, wouldn't it? That <laughs> would be a bit of it's a stunning how much of a uh, of something. a cultural cultural uh, icon thing that is. What's Who the, what's the right the word for that? Clock, People must have done, but I mean, everyone knows what that is. The time sponsored by Accurist. That's that. Uh, everyone in the UK of a certain age. Yeah, but I never called it. Did you? You're quite I old. I, I don't know. Phil, have you ever called that? Uh, no. But, he's but you're French. heavily aware of the. He's uh, French, though. You're aware of the times. Yeah, we, we are very, very. Um, Le temps. They don't have phones. Le temps <laughs> uh, per accurate. A little bit more loosey goosey and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Une heure et demie. Well, it's uh, nearly 10 o'clock and this uh, conversation says it all, really, doesn't it? But uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks very much for listening. Uh, a final note head on down to the old Red Lion Theatre. Uh, it was in full swing tonight, Friday mm. night. Mm. Lots of noise. It made it very difficult to record my voiceover due to how much fun people were having, which I know is something I should be pleased about, but at the time it was uh, something that was irritating me greatly. But they're having a lot of fun down there. Pop down um, and see us. Pop down and see us. And if you do come, tweet, tweet us. Tweet us and come. I'm always yeah. on Twitter. And we'll look at your profile picture. We'll decide whether or not to come downstairs based on how attractive you are. <laughs> and, uh, both For both genders, that is not a gender-specific comment. Uh, but no, seriously, do come down. Spend some money here. Uh, you know, have a drink, have a pie, watch the football. What else can I say? Uh, come to the theatre. Tell you what, we're going to be doing a podcast every day. At some point, I will, uh, I'll tell you what's going on in the theatre. It's always great. And it's fairly cheap. This is the thing. You know, people think that theatre is quite expensive, right? Mm. On the whole, it is, Alex. But fringe theatre, fringe theatre, yeah? It's the price of a cinema ticket. And it's a kind of intimacy that some people may never experience in, the, in their whole lives. <laughs> oh God! Uh, yeah. You know, you've got to walk over the stage to take your seat. It's a love. It's a lovely place, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Support your local fringe theatre. That's mm. today's World Cup podcast message. The Old Red Lion Theatre, Angel Islington. Right. Uh, see you tomorrow. The internet has changed. So should the way you bank. PNC Virtual Wallet for Digital Banking. It's time for a change. Now through March 31st, earn up to $300 when you open and use a select new virtual wallet product. Simply establish a qualifying direct deposit. To learn more, visit a branch or pnc.com slash checking offer. PNC Bank. Make today the day. Virtual Wallet is a registered trademark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association member FDIC.